Come on, how y'all doing today? All right? And it's good to see y'all here today. Yes, we are starting a new series today uh, called Devotions, and we're excited to jump in. I want to talk about a couple things before we get going. First off, I want to piggyback on what Anthony just talked about with the uh, fall retreat. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of you grew up in church, but uh, if you grew up in church, then you know how special those, uh, those trips are, those camps, those, those what conferences, whatever, whatever time that you get out of your parents' house whenever you're a teenager, first off, is just awesome. But also, uh, whenever you go with your friends to a, uh, uh, an area where you're able to seek God, uh, God has done so many things in my life in those times as well. And uh, I want to encourage you to make it a priority. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, man, it's crazy. You know, me and some people were talking a couple days ago about how hard it is to, like, get together with people nowadays a lot of times because everybody's schedule is so packed. Like, legitimately, everybody, I mean, come on, if you're busy in here, raise your hand, right? Everybody. And if you didn't raise your hand, you were too busy to raise your hand. You're looking at your phone. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're just so busy. And, and so, you know, truly it, it's difficult nowadays to really make, pri like set things in priority. And, and so, so every now and then, you know, something like this happens and, and we kind of have to say, okay, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that. And uh, I wanna encourage you just to, to make those choices prayerfully and uh, about sending your, your young people to, to something like this. But, uh, but also I wanna let you know that this coming Wednesday night is uh, our prayer, uh, a prayer night. Every first Wednesday we do a prayer night here at Northwood Church. And... Um, you know, I, I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of shoot you straight. When it comes to prayer, a lot of times that's sort of the, um, that's sort of the service that, or the meeting that like a, a chosen few come to, right? Because I think something happens in our minds when it comes to prayer services, prayer meetings. Um, it just doesn't have the same draw for some people as like a Sunday morning service or something like that. Um, but I want to encourage you in, in kind of what you think about prayer services. Um, you know, there's only a few things that the body of Christ is really, uh, that we, we see an example of in the New Testament. And, and one of the things that we see an example of is praying, meeting together and praying. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you've never been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting here at, at Northwood Church, I want to encourage you to, again, Set it as a priority to try and come. I know it's, it's, you know, it's midweek. You got, I mean, kids got homework, the whole nine yards, and just there's a lot going on. Some of you, I understand work. It's just impossible to make it out. But, but if you can make it out, I want to encourage you to come. It's an incredible time for, uh, for our church to get together and pray for one another to pray for the church, to pray for our country, to pray for just whatever's going on. And uh, we also worship sometimes. And so, um, so I know a lot of you have never been there. I just wanna encourage you and invite you out this uh, Wednesday night, 6.30. It's usually one hour, all right? So it's not, we're not going to like 9.30 at night or anything like that. But uh, hey, sometimes we do hang out till then. Every now and then, but you don't have to if you don't want to. But it's, it's a good time. I wanna encourage you. Put on the calendar, make it out there. I could feel a lot, lot of support on that one. So I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm going to keep going on that one. <clears throat> you know, you can always tell when everybody's tracking with you. If they're tracking with you, they're like, when they're not, they're like, you know, it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Come on. We're excited today. Uh, devotions. That's the series that we're going to be doing for the next two months. It's uh, Devotions, Exploring and Applying the Bible. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, our goal really in this series is to, uh, to grow in our ability as a church 
to explore and apply the word of God to our lives. Now, in Loving Logic, which is a series that we just came out of, we talked about the Bible. We talked about the word of God that um, I want you to kind of think of it in two different ways. There's the Bible, which is the the, the paper, you know, the, the book that you have, the, the, the library of books that you hold, and, and we call it the Bible. And then there's the Word of God. I know that's the same thing, but just for a second, as an example, kind of put those two things apart. Whenever we talk about the Bible, a lot of people, it's just a paper book. It really is. It doesn't have authority. It doesn't have meaning. It's just like a, a book of poems or whatever. Uh, but whenever we call the Bible the Word of God, we are declaring that that Bible is not just paper, it is the word of God. It carries the authority of God. And that's what we talked about in Loving Logic, how Jesus, the words of Jesus are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And, and so that is the word of God. Jesus is God, the word of God given to us. But he also said that the Old Testament were the holy scriptures, all right? So that's the, that, that is the word of God. Then he gives authority to Peter and his others, his others, other disciples, and they write books in the New Testament that we read. Also, you see Paul, uh, Peter gives him, uh, or, or, you know, says that he has authority, ascribes authority to Paul, which Paul wrote, like, you know, most of the New Testament. And so, so here we are, we have the, the, the word of God in our hands. I mean, come on, just for a second, think about that. You have the creator of the universe's Word, heart, plan, in your hands, on your phone, at your disposal. And how many of us don't really read it that much? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard somebody talk about God or talk about Jesus, but they, they don't know the word of God at all? And so it's, it's kind of like listening to somebody like me explain physics. You know, it's like, man, there's like, there's just gravity. And, you know, you throw things and it falls you know, like that's physics class. You know, that's how it feels sometimes hearing someone talk about the word of God or talk about God, but they don't, they don't know his word that was given to us so that we could know him. And honestly, that happens a lot with Christians. That happens a lot with Christians. People who've been, you know, born again, been following Jesus for many years, and they're still very, very underdeveloped in their understanding of the word of God. And I'm not talking about knowing Greek, okay? I don't know Greek, all right, I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar. For some of you, you're like gasping. No, I'm not, you know? Uh, but because uh, some, sometimes when people think about knowing the word of God to that level, that's what they think about. And, and we're gonna learn through this series that that's not exactly it. Of course, there's a spectrum and, and some, you know, they know the Bible to that extent where they can read it in multiple languages and all this good stuff. But I'm talking about being able to explore and apply the word of God the Bible to our lives. And so that's what we're gonna be digging into. There's a lot of tools and methods to do this. And we wanna share some of those with you this, uh, over this series, especially today. I'd say the first half of this message is gonna be very practical, down to earth, and the second half is gonna be kind of applying what we learn to, uh, to whenever we read the Bible. But Hebrews 4 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Second Timothy says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. These two scriptures alone communicate to us the importance of the word of God, which for us is, is the Bible, okay? It's, it's the Bible. It's the word of God given to us to correct us, to guide us, to let us know who God is, 
And uh, it's something to be uh, read and, 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 and you know, digest it and then uh, apply it to our lives. But the first thing that we talk about is exploring. And when it comes to exploration, that is the, the first step in anyone learning anything about anything, is that you would actually be curious about something to explore it. A few years ago, I started playing golf. I think it's like 10 years now. I don't know, something like that. And uh, if you watched me play, you, you would not think I've been playing for 10. You'd be thinking I've been playing for about a year. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, playing golf, I started, started getting into it. And uh, I played baseball growing up, so I just figured, hey, grab the, cl- grab, you know, grab the club, just swing really hard, and it's going to go you know, that way. Because when you hit the baseball, it pretty much goes that way, right? Let's go. Let's get, I mean, it's just sitting there, not moving. And... Um, so quickly figured out that golf is the hardest sport out there, period. It's just difficult. So, but what did I do? Man, I got curious about the game of golf, and I started watching YouTube videos, hours upon hours. I was the guy in the living room with, like, my 56 degree, you know, like, like with the little wiffle balls, like, trying to hit them into the basket across the room. Like, I was that guy, you know? And what happened? I got curious. I wanted to get better at it, so I began to explore it. I began to study it, and guess what? My game increased a little bit. <clears throat> All that work for a very mediocre golfer. Uh, but it's fun. Anyway, so it happens with you. Anything that you're, uh, you're curious about, you want to begin to explore, what do you do? You go and you begin to study. You begin to look into it, look a little bit deeper, whether it's YouTube or Google. I mean, that's where we go nowadays, first off, right? But did you know it's the same way with the Word of God? Or at least it, it should be. You know, as, as Christians, it's like we, we are basing our whole eternity on this belief. And we have this book that's been given to us. It's full of rich, rich uh, concepts and truth and all these wonderful things about God. And, uh, and sometimes I think we take that for granted and we overlook it. Or maybe we were really hungry for it in a certain season of life. And then just we kind of got used to it. You know, we... We got used to coming to church and just kind of hearing the pastor preach, and we're like, hey, that's good to go. I'll just, hey, I'll just listen to a couple podcasts, and, and then we end up in a place where we're never actually picking up the Bible, paper, or <laughs> an app or anything, and really digging in. And so we want to be curious, and uh, we also want to have some, some tools to actually explore the Word of God, because what I hear a lot of people say sometimes is, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to study and, and, you know, you, you start studying a little bit, and all of a sudden you realize how big and expansive it is, and, and that intimidates some people, right? And it's like, I just, I just don't want to study it wrong. How many of you ever thought that? I don't want to study the Bible wrong, so therefore, yeah, I mean, I'm raising my hand when I say that, by the way. Uh, because it is, it's almost intimidating, but that's not, that's not what it's supposed to be. So what we want to do is kind of break that down a little bit and give you some tools to help you in this process. Um, and I do, want to, I do want to say this. There are a lot of different people in this room. And, uh, you know, man, we got, we got the A students up in the place, you know, we, we all the way down to the, the B and C students. Come on, anybody with me on that one? Yeah? My people? You know, I could have done better in high school, but I, I didn't study enough. But, you know, I was a solid B student. And, um, you know, reading comprehension and things, let's say that you kind of struggled in school or, or didn't go to college or all those kind of things happen. In our culture, you can begin to think that because you don't have that level of knowledge or whatever, that, that it's, it's difficult for you to, to, to read. The, the Bible is alive. It just it said it, for the word of God is living and active. You don't have to be a genius in order to understand the word of God. I just want to throw that out there. So, so as we jump into this and you begin to feel maybe intimidated, I want you to kind of label that as a lie 
and, and begin to push those thoughts aside because, man, we're gonna, we're gonna learn how to study the word of God. So in this series, um, one of the tools that we're gonna use is the one-year Bible. And we are gonna use, it's a Tyndale plan. Uh, it starts in January, but we are gonna pick up in the references that are, that are starting here in October. And so uh, actually, I think we, do we have a picture of the references for next, for next week? Uh, yeah, if you don't have access to the internet uh, and you need to know what scriptures are coming up, here you go. If you do start this plan, by the way, like on a YouVersion app, it's gonna start you off in January and it's kind of very difficult to, you know, to, to get to the, the certain date that we're at. So that's kind of a quick, easy way. We're also gonna post it on social media for you to see that. But these are the, these are the scriptures for next week, for this coming week. And what we're gonna do next Sunday is we're gonna be pulling a, a reference or a story out of these scriptures and teaching on those verses next week. So every week when you come to church for the next two, two uh, months, we're gonna teach on something that you've read and studied on your own. And I think it's gonna be a great practice for us. But... Um, so we're, the one-year Bible is a great place to start as far as what to read. There's a New Testament, old, old and New Testament reference as well as a psalm and a proverb. But also, there's another tool that a lot of people are not really fully uh, uh, aware of. It's concordances. And concordances are for word studies. All right, so if you want to know kind of the language of origin with a word, you don't know really what that word means or maybe other verses that that word is in, a concordance is, is uh, very helpful for that. There's also cross-references uh, for related scriptures. So if you're reading a scripture and there's like a little number next to it, if you're online, it's probably a link and you click that link and it shows you other related scriptures. Uh, those, by the way, cross-references are not references to the cross. <laughs> I just need a put that out there. I didn't know the cross was referred to 65,000 times. It's, it's not. It's, it's cross references. It's, anyway, so um, hey, it can happen. I get it. It's all good. But uh, uh, we'll show you in a second how to kind of look up some of these. But uh, there's also commentaries. If you hear somebody say a commentary on scripture, uh, commentaries are basically people who have read these scriptures, studied them, and kind of summarized these scriptures, and they write you know, volumes basically on scripture. And so if you're reading something and not sure what it meant, you can look up a commentary uh, and, and kind of get some helpful understanding of maybe what the angle is of that scripture. Now, a commentary isn't the holy scripture, okay? It's someone who interprets it. So you don't, you don't hold the commentary at the same authority level as you would the word of God, but at the same time, it is very helpful. Uh, I typically read at least two or three if I'm looking up a commentary because everybody has their own little angle, on, on what a scripture means, right? So uh, there's also summaries. And these, this is basically like a, a cultural context or a summary of a book or a, Porsche, a, a, a part of a, of a story. Um, if you have a study Bible, in the beginning of every single study Bible uh, book, you know, for instance, we're gonna be in Ephesians today, you can go and you can read a summary of that book to give you context around what you're reading. Some people just open up the Bible randomly and start reading and they have no idea who wrote it, who it's written to, what the context is at all, and it's very confusing, right? And you can actually come up with some really weird understandings of scripture in that way. Um, uh, but yeah, study Bibles is one way. Listen, I'll, I'll give you another kind of a resource. Um, 
that, uh, that I use from time to time. Um, it's, it's a decent resource. It's on YouTube. You can go look at Bible Project, and uh, they give you a summary video of, of basically every, uh, every book of the Bible. It's a great place to start in regards to digging into a book. There's also websites. There's also websites. And, and again, if you want to take a picture of this or whatever, come back later and get these. Um, Biblehub.com, ESV.org, Bible.com, BlueLetterBible.org. Blue uh, the YouVersion Bible app, uh, I use that quite a bit. Um, there's actually a Bible app for kids that you can download that's uh, by the same people that put out YouVersion. Um, it's, it's little fun little things for kids to click on, and, and uh, our kids have always liked it, you know, whenever they aren't playing some sort of other random ridiculous game that kids play nowadays. Anyway, uh, come on, parents. Like, you ever walk by your kid's iPad and, and like, you're just like, what? What is that? You know? They're just like... You know? Anyway, so there's the kids, uh, kids app, but there's also a hardcover Bible that you can buy that goes along with that app. Really cool. Uh, then if you want to go super deep and spend a lot of money, you can download, uh, you can go buy Logos uh, Bible software. But that's just a few resources for you. We'll, we'll, kind of, we'll kind of apply all of these in a second. But I want to throw out these, these words to you and, and give you these ideas because whenever you begin to read the Bible, it, it, it's where do you start? And I think, just like anything else, it's important what tools you're using, that you know that you actually have some tools to begin to kind of lean into those things. Now, let's just go ahead and switch gears real quick. And let's say that you were reading the one-year Bible this past week, and let's say you, uh, you got to the book of Ephesians, and you were going to study this book. Now, let's really set the table, though, for, for what's happening. All right. It's about 6.30, you know. Your kids are kind of like eating breakfast and things are kind of going on or whatever's going on. You know, if you don't have kids in the house and it's nice and quiet, God bless you. <laughs> it's awesome. For the rest of you, you're just like, I'm trying not to pull my hair out, you know. And, uh, and you're like, man, I really want to read the word. I really want to get some time in the word. And you probably have like 15 minutes maybe. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, or let's just say that you, you pick 15, 20 minutes out in your day to have a devotion. What do you do? What does it practically look like? Do I just flop the Bible open and just kind of randomly point to the book of Ezekiel and start reading some weird scriptures that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's scary. Let me close that, you know. You know? <laughs> uh, do I just pick a verse of the day from Instagram? Like, what do I do? Well, I want to I kind of give you an example of what might be helpful for you. Let's say that you open it up, uh, Ephesians 4, and we're going to be, by the way, we're going to be in verse 17 through 32 today. But I want to give you an example of this. Let's go ahead and show that video. Let's say you go to biblehub.org. And you, you type it in there, you go, you put it at the top, you go to Ephesians. I'll show you how simple it is to kind of access a lot of different things. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And right off the bat, you'll see it, these scriptures pop up, right? So verse 17, you have different translations on the left. You have context on the right, the verses before and after. You have cross-references on the bottom right to all the different uh, scriptures that are related. You have your Strong's concordance, which can go word by word, give you the language, give you the definition, give you other references that the scriptures used. You can hit on the parallel to where you can see all the different translations side by side. Uh, then you can click on comment, which is commentaries, and you have a list of commentaries you can click on. And once you click on one of their names, you can go and read what they have to say about these scriptures. It goes on and on. You can click on the left side, there's maps. And when you click on maps, it gives you a, uh, uh, the context of what's going on in, that, in the time of that, um, in that nation in that time. You can read all sorts of information, right? Now, if you were about to jump into the book of Ephesians, what I would say is take like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes, 
at the beginning of the book. You might not do that every single day, but whenever you get into a new book, go to a site like that. Get some understanding of what's going on at that time in that place. I mean, this is Ephesians. Paul's writing this. So who's he writing it to? What, what kind of things is he dealing with? Why is he writing this? It helps you kind of get in the story. It's almost like this. If you pick up a book, let's, let's just put it like this. If you pick up any book, any novel, any, any story, do you ever just openly ran, like open up randomly to like page 300 and just start reading? Of course not. You start with the, the beginning, because the character development. You, you, you want to become part of the story, right? You want to get yourself in there and to really understand it. If not, it's not going to make very much sense. It's the same thing with all of these books of the Bible, 66 books. It's like, what is this book? Who wrote it? What is it? Who's it written to? And, and you know what I'm saying? It kind of gets you kickstarted. So let's say that, that we're going to you know, move forward with this. Uh, there's three questions to ask whenever we're about to read the Bible. Three questions to ask. Number one is this. It's what do I learn about God? What do I learn about God? Now, now right there, you're kind of like, wait, you know, usually what I do is I open it up and I'm like, where am I at in the story? Spoiler alert, all right? Quick spoiler alert. The Bible isn't about you, okay? All right, I, I loved uh, what Aaron talked about last week, you know? It's what happens, though, right? We, we, we read ourselves into the story immediately, and that's the, that's the wrong place to start. It's a really bad place to start, actually. We miss the whole... Could you imagine reading a novel, and from the get-go, you're just trying to put yourself in the novel? That's, like, we don't do that, right? But we do that with the Bible. Why? Because a lot of us have been taught to do that. We've just been taught to do that. There's a lot of teachers of the Word who that's how they teach the word. They'll take three verses of scripture on a Sunday and talk for an hour and a half and everybody's laughing and having a great time, but they're not actually teaching the Bible. They're teaching you about your life and kind of using the Bible as sort of like a, 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 you know, like a, I don't know, like a commentary, I don't know. And it's really not how we're supposed to start. I want you to begin to think about that as the, the people that you listen to on YouTube and all this kind of stuff. Like how, how are they really teaching me about God primarily? Because we've got to start there, okay? What does this teacher, this, uh, this, uh, the word teach me about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus? And really whenever we ask this question, what it's doing is it's, it's causing us to look at God and learn his character, his nature, his attributes, his plan. It's a priority thing where we prioritize who God is in the scripture above whatever else we get after that, all right? So that's kind of the first place to start. To start with seeking to know more about God, not yourself. Number two, though, is what do I learn about people? As I read this scripture, what do I learn about people? What do I learn about other people? What do I learn about myself? Again, it's the second question. It's not the first, it's the second. What do I learn about people? About the people, the way that people act, the way that people think, the way that I act, the way that I think. Come on. As we read the scripture, the scripture is like a mirror, the Bible says. And as we read it, it challenges, it convicts, it trains us in righteousness as we just read. So what have I learned about people? Uh, another thing, and this is where, this is where I, I wanna insert this back in. Do I identify with someone in the story? Do I identify with someone in scripture? Now again, a while ago I said, you know, the Bible's not about you, okay? You're not the main character. God is, it's about Jesus, okay? But 
There are helpful ways in which to insert ourselves in Scripture, but at the proper time and in the proper way. And I, I want to I kind of break this open because this is actually a very controversial uh, way of reading Scripture, kind of what I'm, I'm talking about in regards to where do we come in in Scripture. Some people, because, because church has become so about itself, people have become, they've made the Bible so much about themselves, they're like, the Bible is, is, it's about God and that's it, literally, and don't dare even think about yourself being in Scripture at all. And it's like, well, that's, that might be an overcorrection, okay? But over here is what I was just saying a while ago, which is the Bible's about me. It's always about me. It's a self-help book. That's what it becomes for people. That's also why there's certain uh, books of the Bible, people who just want something out of it, they don't go to those, those scriptures because there's nothing there. You know, they go to Proverbs, only Proverbs, because it's quick, easy, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, no need to go to Jeremiah because they don't understand that what the Bible is actually, it's a story about God's plan of redemption for man, right? So, but there's a place in the middle, and I believe it's a place of order where we begin with, God, who are you in these scriptures? But then God, it's, who, who am I? Who am I? What are you speaking to me about, about me? And I wanna give you an example Let's take the story of the prodigal son. Pretty much everybody knows that story. When I read that story, primarily, the father is God, right? He's God. And, and we, see, we, see, we learn about God's character, his nature, his grace, his love, his mercy, also his willingness to allow his son to go make bad choices, okay? And then we see the son come back and we see that, that the father is gracious and merciful. And when the son is coming and saying, I'm, I'm unworthy and all this kind of stuff, the father ignores all that, puts a robe around him, puts a ring on his finger, you know, and it says, you're, you're my son, okay? What you did did not change that. And so we see this, this grace, this mercy, and so we can put ourselves in, in the place of this, the prodigal son coming back. But you know, you can also put yourself in the place of the older brother, a place of spiritual pride, right? Where he was not so excited that the younger brother came back. And so we, we put ourselves there and we can be convicted about the own pride that's in our heart for those who are maybe struggling. And, and then for, for some of us, you know, that, that's probably what we really need to lean into, right? We need to allow the, the Holy Spirit to convict us of the pride inside of us. But you know what? If I put myself in the, in the shoes of the Father, then what I see is, is an example of what a good father looks like. A father full of grace and mercy and love for their child, unconditional. And that convicts me of the times that I have not been like that to my own children, right? And, and so we can read the Bible in a lot of different ways. And, and I think it, it is helpful, but I would say don't start with you being the hero of the story, right? Like David and Goliath. The, primarily, you are not David, just so you know, okay? You're not. Jesus is David. You're the Israelites. You're scared in the tent or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you didn't defeat death in the grave. Well, what happens? I'm David and I've got all these giants and I've got, and it's me, it's me, it's me, and oh, oh yeah, God too. Yeah, but, but me. No, it, it's, that's not how we want to read scripture. Although, guess what? We do face life and there's difficulties and there's, there's, there's giants that we face and we, we, you know, we call on the name of the Lord to be victorious in those things. So there is helpful um, uh, you know, scenarios there, but I'm just, I'm talking about priority here. So number two, what do I learn about people? Number three, what does God want me to do? 
What does God want me to do? Is there a, a sin to avoid in these scriptures, a promise to claim, an example to follow, or a command to obey? Let me tell you something. If you guys would, would have these three questions just written down, I don't know, in your, in your head, and you begin to read scripture, and, you, and the first thing that you, you are prayerfully reading through is where is God in this? Who is God? You know what I'm saying? What do I learn about him? And then number two, what do I learn about, about people, about myself, about the people around me? Number three, what does God want me to do? For a lot of people, they kind of stop with two. They don't get to three. The Bible is there to convict, yes, the way that we actually live our lives, to guide us, to change us, to, right? Come on. Anybody agree with me on that one? Got a lot of blank stares there, you know? Why? Because we like concepts. We like the positivity. But did you know that God, through his word, says what you're doing is wrong? Sometimes that's exactly right. It's a corrective. Come on, that's what the scripture says. It corrects us. All right, now with this framework here, okay, we want to ask these questions in a realistic way. Again, here you are, you got 15 minutes, maybe you're on your lunch break, and you're reading scripture, and you read this past week in the one-year Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. What does it look like to apply these three questions to some verses? Super practical. Guys, we're, we're, we want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf of this one, all right? Um, a little break from loving logic, by the way, as well. <laughs> Our brains are like steaming from the last few weeks, you know? It's very simple, but I'm going to be honest. If we could actually do this consistently, for some of you, you feel like you haven't grown in your faith in many years. I guarantee you, if you begin to apply what we're talking about today, your faith will begin to grow. You will. Because that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God changes us, encourages us, convicts us, helps us to understand who God is. So let, let's, let's look at what this looks like, right? So again, 15 minutes to read. If you haven't jumped into Ephesians before, you would take, kind of take a few minutes, see the summary of it. Uh, what we would learn there is that the author is Paul. He, uh, he writes this while he's imprisoned in Rome. The date's about AD 62. It's about 30 years after Jesus dies. The cultural setting is that Ephesus was a wealthy port city in the Roman province of Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey. It was a center of learning and was near several key land routes for trade. The city was also, good, uh, was also world famous for its massive temple uh, dedicated to the Greek goddess Artemis, or it was Diana to the Romans, who was the goddess of chastity, but also fertility and childbirth. So again, if you were to even go to thebiblehub.com and, and click on the map and, and continue to read and go to other sources and read, you would learn what worshiping of false idols looked like at that time. It was, it was gross, you know, but that's, that was the culture that Paul is writing to. Um, writing to the church in this, in this place. So the purpose is that Ephesians offers general instructions in the truths of God's redemptive work in Christ, the unity of the church among diverse peoples, and proper conduct in the church, the home, and the world. So if you were to understand just this little bit of information, as you begin to read the words of Paul, you're not just reading it directly to just myself, Okay, because he might say some things that don't really apply to you. And so therefore, guess what you do? Skip, you know, let me get to something that matters. See what I'm saying? But whenever you know this and you realize that he is, he's maybe confronting some things, a lot of times what Paul would do is the first half of the book, he would, uh, he would write about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And, and, and then the second half would be in response to that. 
Okay, y'all remember us talking about the cart before the horse a whole lot? Where a lot of times people put conduct uh, in, in front of condition. Okay, we're born in sin. And so a lot of people are, are trying to deal with just their conduct. Like, I need to do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. But they have no idea or are praying through or, or, or learning about their condition and what Jesus did for that condition to save you from the condition of sin, the nature of sin. And so it just ends up being like trying really hard, a, a doing rather than a being. Okay, and so the cart before the horse, I love how Paul puts it in order. He says, this is the main thing. And out of this flows conduct. I think it's very important. So... Let's jump in. Ephesians 4, verse 17, it says this. Now again, we're asking these three questions. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The Gentiles represent people who are far from God. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to, uh, greedy to, ev- to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's ask the question, what do I learn about God? What do I learn about God in these scriptures? Well, what, what, and, and the things that I'm about to read are just straight up, these are the things that I got out of it. So it didn't really do too much to it, just kind of one pass. Man, this is, what, this is kind of a, a, a word I got from God. It's, first off, God cares about the way that we live. That there is a way to live that brings some glory and honor and, and it's, it's for his glory. And there's a way that, that we can live that does not. So there is a way to live and not to live. But God's way of living is a way of life, truth, righteousness, and holiness, which is reflective of God's nature. Right? In the likeness of God, there's truth, there's holiness, there's righteousness. And so what I learned from these scriptures about God is that he is truth, that he is, he's full of life that he is righteous, come on, and that he is holy. What that does is that, that puts him up here. Come on, y'all. It, it puts him up here, the standard, the plumb line, if you will. What I learned about God, I'm reminded. And now, again, it's Tuesday morning at, like, whatever, whatever time it is for you, you know, six, five, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., just whatever. And, and you're reminded in your day of God's holiness, righteousness, his truth, it resets your thinking. But number two, what do we learn about people? What do I learn about myself? What do I learn about others? Well, this is, what, this is what I learned. When we reject his way of living that we just talked about, we are left to the futility of our own minds, which eventually alienates us from God. If I don't live God's way, what do I have left? My own. And I know my way ain't that good. It might be good for a little while at least, but eventually I know that the futility of my thinking, the fleshly desires of my own soul left to itself, right, apart from God, it's not going to go anywhere that's helpful. It's not going to go anywhere that's good. God has a way for us to live that's for our good and his glory. And I think it's, it's important for us to understand. 
If we talk about our sex life, there is a way that is a holy way of having a sex life and one that's not. And one that leads to God being honored and glorified. And guess what? It actually is better for us as well. Did you know biblical sexuality is healthier? There's a lot less drama in it as well. Okay? (laughs) There is. Maybe some of you are like, I know. I can't laugh at that one. I'm living it out right now. It is. God's way, man, it is a better way. But that's what we learn. And then if we're left to that, we live sensual, greedy lives that, that really lead to every type of impurity. It just opens up. So what do I learn about people? And then lastly, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? We're instructed to put off the old corrupt living, which obeys our deceitful desires, and let our minds be renewed from futile thinking to God's way of thinking, which is full of true righteousness and holiness. We see so much in scripture that the Bible talks about renewing our mind, that there's this, I mean, come on, the way that we think affects our entire life. And so we're reminded here about how are we thinking. For some of you, like a moment like this would, would bring this up as you're reading the word. What does God want me to do? Well, he's talking a lot about thinking. How am I thinking? How am I thinking? Man, God, you know, what, my thought life hasn't, hasn't been right. Right, just those simple, a lot of us are looking for massive revelation. And the massive revelation a lot of times doesn't really change us. It doesn't, right? It's, it's the small 1% changes daily of knowing God and understanding who he is. And that just those small corrections that begin to guide us in the right direction. Hope this isn't too simple for some of you. Now, I want to finish by reading verse 25 through 32 because Paul explains what this God life practically looks like. He kind of he puts some more handles on what it looks like. He says, therefore, which is because of all of this, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you, again, he's speaking to believers, okay, to Christians. He's speaking to us today. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Number one, I'm instructed, again, in my devotional time, I'm instructed here to speak the truth. Don't cut corners. Little white lies. All those little things, right? The big lies. Paul's like, that's not the God life. He goes on, he says, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And I see here that, that when I'm anger, angry, right? When I'm enraged, that's not just a personal issue. I'm opening up my life to the devil, giving opportunity to the devil. All of a sudden, those moments that you just kind of lose it aren't so subtle and aren't so basic. It's like, wait, hold on. This is actually, this is affecting me in a deep way. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal. Some of you are like, I'm good to go there. I don't no longer steal. Rather, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That's right. That's right. All those thieves, you know. Well, if you go read a commentary on this, you'll, you'll actually understand that what he's really talking about is, uh, has a lot to do with pilfering, which is just a lot of little, small, little, just cutting corners, just a little, you know. It's how embezzlement starts, right? Somebody just steals five bucks here, ten bucks there. Steal a little thing here, a little thing there. It gets bigger and bigger. And before you know it, 
They're fully entrenched in this way of living, and then they get busted, and then they get everybody shares them on social media. What happened, man? These little things right here. And so, again, you might not end up on the front page of, of you know, the news, but God sees the way that we're living. And so it's, it, it, this is something else that just maybe you're, maybe you're kind of one of those people. You, you struggle with lying a little bit. You kind of bend the truth. Maybe you kind of steal here and there a little bit. This, this would, if you would read the word, these little moments would happen and it would sure up and tighten those, those shoelaces a little bit, right? Verse 29, now this is gonna get all of us, ready? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Come on, y'all. Slander and gossip. You know what I'm saying? The things that come out of our mouth are they building people up or are they tearing them down? Just let that wash. I don't have to say much about that one. It says that if we live life like that, it's, it's not the God life. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He just upped it times 10. All the things that we just talked about, why is it important not to do these things? It's not just so you live a good life. It's not just so, right? That's a human level understanding of these scriptures. It grieves the spirit of God. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. So the spirit of God is, is within us, right? As, as believers, we are, we are baptized into the spirit. We are, we're full of the spirit of God. And so in that way, if we begin to live a life that looks like this, we're in some level, in some way, we're, we're quenching or grieving the spirit's work in our life and also quenching the ability for the spirit of God to potentially use us to advance the kingdom of God in whatever way it looks like for, for us. So it's not just about you, it's about you and your family and those around you and eternity. This, this is affecting us in a deep, deep way. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, let all of the things that we just talked about be put away from you along with malice. And as you put that away, what do we, what do we kind of replace that with? He says, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and he wraps it up with a very strong statement that many of us know, as God in Christ forgave you, which is the motivation for all of the things that we just talked about. Why do we forgive one another? Not because we necessarily want to, but because God has forgiven us through Jesus. That's the motivation. Apart from that, I don't really have much of a motivation to forgive anyone. I'll just be honest with you. If I wasn't a Christian, I'd be really good at bitterness. <laughs> I would. I'd be really good at it, you know? But because I believe in the word of God and what it says, I'm never comfortable holding on to things. I'm never comfortable holding a grudge. Why? Because I cannot help but see that God has forgiven me. Can't help it. Can't get away from it. And it motivates me to see the, 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 the positive side of that person or that situation or to release it. It's not always easy. I still pray daily for some situations that have happened to me that God would help me to continue to forgive, to continue to forgive. Sometimes grit in my teeth, jaw showing, jaw, jaw muscle poking out, you know? 
I forgive them. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's what the prayer looks like. But again, I bring, I'm brought back to the cross. That's, that's the motivation. And that's also the same motivation for why we live the God life, period. Period. All the things that we just talked about, all the things that you studied this week, it's all rooted in what Christ has done for us. That is the motivating factor. It's why we live a life of worship to God. And so, so we did this today in a, in a practical way. Okay, I wanted this to be very, very practical for you. But you can see how quickly using a couple of simple tools, if you read the word of God with those lenses on, if you, if you man, just slow down for just a second, and with these, with these questions, you will read the Bible in a different way, and God can, can greatly begin to, uh, to work in your life, work in your heart, help you to understand him more. And guess what? As we all individually grow in Christ, we as a church, as a community, we grow together. Right? And that's, that's my hope for this church. That's my hope for this series even, is that for some of you, that you would kind of, that your, your heart and your, your, you know, just a desire to explore and apply the word of God would kind of be rekindled in your life, rekindled in this church, man. We used to, uh, we used to read the one-year Bible a whole lot. It was like, I mean, that was what everybody was doing. And uh, we didn't, you know, always do like a series on it. Our small groups weren't all built around it. But it was amazing how whenever a lot of people were reading the same scriptures, first off, how much the one-year Bible would literally just, like, whatever was going on that day, just apply directly to what, whatever was going on that day, right? But then as we, you know, went to group together or hang out or whatever, it's like in conversation, it's like, dude, did you read that story today? That was crazy, huh? Yeah, and then there's conversations that is centered around the Bible, not just centered around the weather <laughs> or what's angering you, <laughs> right? Come on, y'all. I think it'd be really good. So let's, let's start it up in our church. Let's start it up in our hearts. Um, uh, I wanna pray for you because I know that even in a simple way of teaching a message like this, I know that, it, come on, the Holy Spirit works. He works. Come on, these simple scriptures, they, they convict me. They convict us. I know out of one of those little things we just talked about, it probably hit all of us in some angle, right? Come on. So let's pray. It's a, this is what you do when you, when you, when you get done reading the word and, and, the, and the word convicts you. You want to respond. You want to respond prayerfully, contemplatively. God, we thank you for your word that was given to us, that it is true, that it is good. Lord, that you use the word to convict us, to transform us. God, we open up our hearts to that process. God, we will not resist those moments. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. We invite you to change us. So God, as we have just read these scriptures, Lord, I, just, I know, God, that you've convicted us, you've, you've reminded us, you've shined a, a, a spotlight on certain words, and those are the things that are illuminated in our hearts, God. And right now, I, God, I just pray that for all of us, Lord, that you would remove all impurity, God, uh, a greedy, greedy thinking, sinful living, God, that you would apply the heat of your word to those things in our life, and begin to allow those impurities to come to the surface, God, that you can remove those from our lives. 
God, I thank you that you always extend your grace and your mercy to us. That Jesus came on our behalf, died for us in our place, took upon himself our punishment. And God, because of that, we have full access to your grace, your mercy, your redemption. We have hope. Our faith is sure in you. We're so grateful today. If you're in this place today and you're far from God, you know it. You don't really have a relationship with him. The things that we're talking about seem far away. They seem just out of reach. And maybe you're waiting to get cleaned up, start doing all the right things, your conduct to get cleaned up before you come to God. I wanna encourage you that it's not the way that it works. It's the opposite. You come to God with nothing and you give him everything that you have. You just surrender your heart and your life to him. You put your faith in Jesus. Come on right now, if that's you, just say, God, I believe in you. I thank you for the cross where Jesus paid the price for me. I believe in you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your righteousness. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. As we close, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song here in just a moment, just a couple more minutes. And uh, we're gonna have a prayer team at the front who's available to pray with any of you, whatever you're going through in your life, uh, confidential, wonderful people who wanna just agree in prayer for you. But we're gonna sing uh, as part of this, this song, Christ Be Magnified. And it talks about bowing down to idols. You know, I won't bow down to idols. I'll stand strong and, and worship you. And I think that this song perfectly illustrates where the posture that we need to take. And even after the scriptures that we just read, idols are not little figurines on a shelf that you bow down to. That's, that's not our idols nowadays. Idols are good things sometimes, but they become the main things. They're good things that become godlike in our life. And, and those things begin to distract us from who God is. And uh, man, we just wanna respond to God in this moment. So let's just close our eyes. God, we thank you again for your word. And Lord, as we have been convicted about certain things, God, we just pray that you would help us to walk out of this place different, to walk out of this place prioritizing you above all else. God, as we read your word, as we pray, God, that you would continue to change us, make us more like you, Father. You're worthy to receive all praise, all honor, all glory. We lift you up, Jesus. Jesus.